Welcome to another podcast from the Leadership Department. I'm your host, Paul Jostino, and with me today is Professor Bill Dean, Professor of Comparative Military Studies in DEI over at ACSC. He is an expert on French counterinsurgency, has extensive background in French civil service and, and military affairs. He's also worked with AFSOC for a very long time, and it's an honor to have him with us today to provide some background on the case study on military ethics and French war in Algeria in the 1950s. Uh, welcome, Bill. Thanks for coming. Thanks today. for having me here. So uh, our conversation will move through just a series of questions. Our, our purpose is to give some background to students as they prepare to write some papers. We want to make the, their entry point in terms of military history to writing about leadership and ethics as as easy as possible. So that's what we're trying to do today. So I thought we might start with just some background to France's interaction with Algeria. How should people understand this colonial relationship? In 1830, the French invaded Algeria, and from 1830 to 1857, the French engaged in an enormous campaign for the conquest of Algeria, a campaign that influenced the U.S. Army. The U.S. Army, in many ways, adopts the uniforms, weapons, and tactics of the Army d'Afrique in the 1850s, believe it or not. We even had camels. The French will then bring in hundreds of thousands of colonists called Pieds Noirs, Blackfeet, or Colon colonists coming from Spain, southern France, Italy, and they build their own culture. And by 1954, you have a million Pieds Noirs that live in Algeria. The Pieds Noirs are given the best properties. Geographically and ecologically, Algeria is divided into multiple zones. You have a very pleasant zone along the Mediterranean Sea. You have high mountains that get cold with snow. You have what's called the Bled, the Arab word for interior or outback. You have the Shrevel, which is the mountainous areas. And of course, the insurgency is going to be fought mostly in the mountains. And then you have the Sahara Desert. You have three basic ethnic groups there. You have the Chamba Arabs. You have uh, the Tuaregs, the men of the Vale, and then you have the Kabyles. So you have these different ethnic groups. You have a lot of expropriation of land. You have a lot of grievances. You have the Army d'Afrique, which is a separate army within the French military forces that will serve in large number in World War I. They get to see a lot of life in metropolitan France. And one of the things you have uh, developed in Algeria in the interwar years is nationalism. The Algerians again will uh, fight in combat against the Germans and Italians in Italy and in France and Germany. The movie Andy Jean is made about it. And they come back at the end of the war wanting independence. On May 8, 1945, VE Day, many Algerians go out in the street in places like Satif and they call for an independent Algeria, and they fly the flag of Abdul Qadr, one of the great founding fathers of Algeria. The French militia and army respond by killing tens of thousands of these people in what is called the Satif Massacre. Now initially, it's a causeless belly, but initially they don't engage in combat. France is plunged into war in French Indochina, 46 to 54. Many Algerians serve in this war, the French are humiliated in the spring of 1954 at a place called Dien Bien Phu. Uh, Algerian soldiers see the French defeated by Viet Minh, 
It is not an accident that the Algerian War will break out on All Saints Day, November 1st, 1954. The French have come back from Algeria. They're dispirited. All right, so really quick before we move on to the state of the French army as, as they're deploying to a conflict in Algeria, when the French think about Algeria or when they think about the Cologne, how do they think of them? Are they how removed from the French well, well, metropolitan? Well, the Europeans have the right of political participation. They have deputies or delegates to the Chamber of Deputies, so they are a province of France. They are a department of France. So when the insurgency breaks out in 1954, it'd be as if an insurgency broke out in Hawaii or Alaska. For the United States, it's a true counterinsurgency. You know, what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan is assisting host nations fighting counterinsurgency. It's not a true counterinsurgency because it has to take place in your homeland. Right. So the French see it as a true counterinsurgency. It is part of France. Now, the Algerians, the Arabs, the Kabyles, etc., don't have the right to vote. And one of the solutions to the war at the end, de Gaulle realizes, is I have to give the Algerians a right to vote. The problem is they have a very complex party system with the communists controlling one-third of the votes inside the Chamber of Deputies, and de Gaulle was afraid they would all vote with the communists. All right, so let's turn to the conflict and to the French army. So they've, they've suffered humiliating defeat in Indochina. There's a lot of resentment, a lot of you know, thousands of officers spend months, even years, in prison camps. The, uh, the French army of 1956-57 is a traumatized army. First, they're humiliated by the German defeat in 1940. Then there's a brutal German occupation, 40 to 44. Uh, many of them served time in prisoner of war camps. Uh, that, that brutalized them. Then they went and fought in Indochina. They felt like they were betrayed by the government there. Only volunteers fought in Indochina. There were no draftees in Indochina, unlike Algeria. And then 1956, along with the British and Israelis, they drop on Suez to defeat Nasser. President Eisenhower forces them to withdraw. They're very angry with the United States. And remember, 1956, NATO headquarters is in Paris. Yeah. They're pretty angry with the United States at the end of the war in Indochina as well. Very, yes, they're very angry with the U.S. They become even more angry in the Algerian War when President Kennedy will side, side with the FLN for France to leave. Mm. You actually have Fidel Castro, the FLN, and President Kennedy on the same side as regarding Algeria. So it's a kind of weird circumstance. An axis of evil for some. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, the French in uh, Algeria are traumatized. The 10th Parachute Division that is brought in the city of Algiers in 1957 is probably the most traumatized unit in the French army. So you're dealing with men very traumatized, humiliated. You can read Latterge's novel, The Centurions, and the subsequent one, The Praetorians, that talk about the state of mind. They're hated in France. There were lots of protest marches against the Indochina War. They threw bricks through the windows of trains, hurting wounded veterans coming back. You think our protests in the Vietnam War were big in the United States? We were pikers compared to what happened in France. The French are determined to keep Algeria. They're determined not to let Algeria go down. But here's the central strategic problem. The focus of France is in Germany. You have a large French army. The French are trying to develop nuclear weapons called the force de frappe, 
they will explode the nuclear weapons in Algeria. There's places in Algeria today you can't go because of radioactive uh, waste. So France saw, with the exception of nuclear uh, testing, Algeria's a waste of time. They needed to concentrate their troops to fight the Soviet Union. It sits at the heart of the Cold War. And this skews their understanding or center gravity analysis because they come to see the Front de Libération Nationale, the National Liberation Front, the FLN, as either communist, as proxies of the Soviets, or radical Islamist. So and who are the FLN? The FLN, typically family, done by family and clan. Ethnicity is very important in this. The family that fights insurgency together stays together. Uh, you have uh, some people that fight on the side of the French called the Harkis. You have the Harkis, you have the FLN. Most of them are not intellectuals. All they know is their living conditions are extremely poor, lots of disease, lots of poverty, no chance for advancement. Uh, the colons of Pierre Noir have the best land. They can't make a living. So it's a lot of socioeconomic things. You have the intellectuals at the top, people like Ben Bella, who do have classic uh, ideas of nationalism and will take help from wherever they get it, whether it be Egypt or uh, Yugoslavia. Uh, so how would the conflict pro progressed as we move into, we're going to talk focus on the Battle of Algiers, 56-57. Right. So. 1954 to 56, most of the fighting is in the blood and the Jebel, in the countryside. And you have division among the insurgents themselves. There is a constant ratcheting up of horror. At Philippeville, for example, the FLN go in and kill pregnant women, French civilians, Pied Noir civilians. When the Foreign Legion shows up, they will kill three or 4,000 Algerians as a counter to this. So you have an escalation of violence. By 56, in the fall of 56, the FLN decides to take the war to the city of Algiers, which is the most important FLN district. The districts are called Vilayas. And so they use women going against cultural assumptions of the French to begin doing bombing. And you can see this laid out pretty well in the Battle of Algiers. The French police and militia, the CRS, try to deal with it, but they're unsuccessful. And so they bring in this traumatized parachute unit made up of the Regiment Parachutiste Colonial. You have, I think, in one of the readings, they're changing to the Lizard Outfit. That was brought in by a Colonel, later General Birgard, to give them a sense of primary group loyalty and uh, they develop a separate identity. The elite units, Foreign Legion paratroopers, Colonial Infantry paratroopers, the Marines, but most of the troops in Algeria are draftees. Most of the troops spend their times on FOBs. The elite troops are taking helicopters, the first helicopter war, and will launch helo assaults all over the Bled and Jebel. The Battle of Algiers is unique in the campaign in Algeria because it is an urban campaign. And the insurgents engage what we would call today network-centric warfare. They have a series of networks that the French are trying to break up. The FLN members are told to keep their secrets for 24 hours. By that time, they'll be able to adapt to their capture and the information will be no longer useful. The French know that. These traumatized colonial paratroopers know this and they began a massive campaign of torture. In fact, they have a set bureaucracy of torture. If it's France, you're going to have a bureaucracy. Of course. And so you have the Sankian Bureau 
whose job is psychological operations. It's led by Tranquier, and uh, you have an entire organization designed to torture, to gather information, a lot of human rights violations. You have what's called Les Crevettes de Birgard. You have, uh, Birgard himself isn't involved in this, but you have uh, other French officers that will take FLN members and helicopters, fly over the Mediterranean, and throw them in the sea. There's extensive use of electroshock on men's genitals, uh, extensive use of torture. General Osares, who commanded some of the units in Algiers, admits taking Ben Meaty out to a farm, torturing him, and then killing him. And of course, they claim in the media hung himself. An important book comes out in 57 called La Question by a guy named Aleg, a Jewish member of the Pied Noirs, that talks about detailed torture. It's forbidden to be published in France, but it's published in the United States, and soon it causes an enormous scandal. And then on top of that, you have the French Air Force bombing insurgent camps in Tunisia. Long, complex story short, it leads to the fall of the Fourth Republic. Ex extreme use of torture, widespread use of torture, violation of international norms, and I could go on and on about that, uh, have multiple effects. One, it delegitimizes the government. The government falls. Paratroopers threaten to jump on the Chamber of Deputies in Paris and seize power and introduce a military dictatorship. You then have the Fourth Republic falls, partially because of the torture, and you have Charles de Gaulle coming in creating the Fifth Republic. Charles de Gaulle does not like Algeria and wants to get out as fast as possible. This is in 1958, right? Right, 1958. The Battle of Algiers is over in 57. You could say it's a tactical victory for the French, but is long-term a strategic defeat because it turns public pop opinion against the war. So 1956-57, most French people, the exclusion of the Communist Party, support the war. By 1957-58, the people have turned against the war. Of course, the Algerian Pied Noirs and the army see de Gaulle as a savior when he arrives at the governor's palace in June 1958. Everyone is shouting, Algérie Française! Algérie Française! Keep Algeria French! And he answers, Je vous écoute! I hear you! And weasel words. What does it mean? Within a year, he'll begin pulling the French out of Algeria which will lead to tremendous disillusionment, ultimately ending with multiple assassination attempts against de Gaulle and a creation of a white terrorist group called the OAS Organisation Army Secret, or the Secret Army Organization, that will try to kill de Gaulle, that will try to launch a pooch and create a settler state inside Algeria. Well, let me ask you then two, two questions as we wrap up. One is, is if we go back and we look at this resort to torture Part of the problem there, you, you mentioned with net network-centric warfare and the need for rapid information, uh, combined with the disillusionment of the officer corps of the French army in general. The other thing is, uh, could you talk a little bit about the Kasbah uh, inside of Algiers? Yeah, yeah, inside, well, and in all cities, whether it's Constantine, Iran, or, or Algiers, which is the biggest city in the capital, you have a separate Arab section. And it provides urban sanctuary. Here we see one of the first cases of urban sanctuary and insurgency. And, of course, air power is problematic to use in an urban context. We'll find this later in Fallujah, 
find this later in Baghdad. As you know, there's whole chunks of Baghdad and in the 21st century become sanctuary for insurgents. And you see the same thing happening there. The French try to go in, they try to occupy the Casbah, but they never completely are able to to have control there. They try to use economic means. They try to prevent the uh, Arabs from striking. Uh, they try a, a variety of things, but they never can penetrate the warren of the Casbah. That proves to be a greater sanctuary than the Orez Mountains. It has impact today in that Al-Qaeda Islamic Maghrib, which is an Algerian Al-Qaeda affiliate, looks to the FLN for inspiration, even though they're not Islamists. They're a secular uh, organization. Trudkal, who's the member of it, looks to people like Ben Bella or Colonel Boumedien as his uh, inspiration. But you have a very traumatized French army. They don't understand the enemy. They don't understand the conflict. And the officers don't understand that this widespread torture they engage in traumatizes their soldiers and ultimately destroys the discipline of their soldiers. The French thought engaging in torture was practical. There's a racial aspect to it. It's easier to torture Arabs, non-Europeans, than Europeans. So there's a racial aspect of it. And they didn't fully understand the consequences that they ripped apart their political system, they wrecked their army, they wrecked discipline, and really ultimately sowed chaos. Thank you, Dr. Dean, and uh, we will conclude this podcast. <laughs>